Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Did you, was it getting a, getting a barnyard scene? Was it, did you, did you eat a pig? Uh, like an entire pig? No, did you eat part of a pig? I'm seeing perhaps the butt region. Mm, no, I, I don't think so, no. No? Hmm, okay. Well, I'm still seeing that farm. There's a silo on that farm. Was there... Some kind of grain? Did you have a grain? I'm seeing grains. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't think, I don't think so. No. No grains. Well, there's some connection to a farm, Chris. You, you had something that came from a farm for breakfast. Well, I mean, like. There's a connection to a farm, Chris. You need to, you need to acknowledge the connection to the farm. Think, Chris, so I, think. I, 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 tea grows out of the ground, right? Like, that's yeah. a leaf. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it it it's a farm in India. That's what I'm seeing. Okay. Or, yeah. Oh, that, yeah. That's totally me. That makes sense. Yeah. I had tea this morning. You, you had tea for breakfast. Yep. Yes. Look at that. Marvelous. Chris. <laughs> Chris just had to accept that it was a farm. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, I'm gonna, let me uh, let me try you though here, here. Um. I'm getting. Uh. I'm getting. Some kind of food material, so something edible. I yeah, would say. yeah, I did chew. I did chew. Okay, okay. Um, was it like a lot of chewing? Because I'm getting like a lot of teeth gnashing. Like, yeah, yeah. Like... Actually, it was it was really some part of my breakfast was really hard to eat. It's true. Okay, so I'm I'm getting like uh uh, I'm getting this feeling coming through right now of like leafy energy. Like something plant based. Mm, I mean, yeah, one of the things was plant based. Okay, so um, it's telling me that um, you had food this morning. Yeah. And that you enjoyed it. That's what I'm getting. I did. Okay, so the food is telling me from the the energy from the food you ate is telling me that they enjoyed being eaten. And that you shouldn't feel bad about eating them. I mean, none of it was ever, none of it ever had consciousness. So, I mean, that, well, good. you know, a lot of people have misconceptions that uh, plants don't have ghosts. But I am actually a, a plant psychic by by primary nature here. Let's say. Oh, okay. So uh, I, I basically I can feel the energies of consumed plants, and they are telling me that it's it was okay 
that they got to be a part of you and that you should move on from this. Okay. And, not, and go, just go to your next meal feeling <laughs> free and easy. Oh, very nice, very nice. All right, round of applause okay. for, for Chris, the plant medium. Um, yeah. All right, so hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Terrible Book Club. This time we read Crossing Over, the stories behind the stories by John Edward. So yeah, uh, not we didn't read the show. We didn't read the script. If you don't know what this is, uh, John Edwards is sort of like a daytime TV psychic. There's no S, Chris, and he would be very upset with you for saying that. It's John Edward. No oh, I'm S. Sorry, I, keep, I, I keep confusing it with my drummer's name on Facebook, which is John Edwards. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, this book... Uh, so yeah, I mean, like Chris was saying... If you don't know who John Edward is, he's one of those TV psychics, um, of which there are many. He's from Long Island, which just seems to be where a lot of them come from. I don't, I don't really know why, but it's a big, uh, I don't know, big thing, Long Island or something. Specifically, he is the he contacts people's dead relatives or friends through the the aether. They come to him. And they tell, give him messages to give to other people. Yeah, you know what's even funnier is he mentioned that sometimes he has pets come through, and I'm just like, how the fuck does that work? He's like, <laughs> just, oh man, Munchie, Munchie, Munchie says woof 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 woof, <laughs> and that you would understand that, like, dude, <laughs> yeah. okay, uh, yeah, I would love to see a pet. I'd love to see the pet reading happen. He just what like, does a cat? What does a cat ghost like? Is it just even care even less about your existence? Oh man, when I was a kid, I thought I had cat ghosts in my basement. Oh, really? Please tell <laughs> How did, why did you think you have a cat ghost? Was, so, was there like... Um, so, it's, I don't know. This is probably going to turn into a long-winded diatribe about my fucking childhood. But when I was a kid, uh, my mom was like a crazy person and was really into uh, ghosts and spirits and like magic and stuff. So we always had Ouija boards in the house. Um, and. Oh. Just, like, one in every Roman case, the ghost, like... Dude, we had two. I'm not even kidding. Yeah, my mom my mom is, like, actually crazy, though. Um, But that's that's not the point of the story. So, when I was little, you know, when you're a kid, you know, you're growing up watching, like, fairy tales and stuff, you believe in that stuff most of the time, you know? Because you're like, oh, yeah, fucking fairies are real and shit, and Santa Claus, and, like, you know, ghosts are, like, a logical next step. Um, And I had a friend, like, some of my friends also thought it was, ooh, spooky to play with the Ouija board, and so a bunch of us got together... And we'd mess around with it, and of course, you know, it was, oh, all very scary. But even even when I was that age, I was like, maybe like nine or something, eight or nine or ten, I was like, I don't know, somebody's probably moving this thing. Like, someone's probably moving the, uh, whatever that's called, the planchet. All right, um, specifically back to how you were haunted by cats. Yeah, that's, is... uh, I'm getting, I'm getting there, I'm getting there. Okay. So, in the course of playing with this Ouija board with this group of friends, this story comes out. You know, so every time we got together to play with the Ouija board, we would get this this story. Um, it was like a continuation. It was about this girl named Sarah Constant who was hung in the basement of one of our houses. And then, like, she had these ghost cats in the afterlife. And we were instructed once to, like, sit cross-legged in the basement totally silently. And we would feel the ghost cats. And we all thought we did, but it was really just cold air because it's a fucking basement. <laughs> <laughs> so... We were like sitting down there. For a second, I thought that the Ouija board was like just telling you guys to shut up and stop. Like, it's just like an old man ghost. It's like, can you kids just stop bugging me? Just sit silently with your legs crossed and just stop. I'm trying to relax in the afterlife here. I can't even, 
get in a second piece. Yeah, so so that's my that's my story, Ghost Cats. Um, and so yeah, I, I mean, full disclosure, I am a total skeptic, or probably a cynic, as John Edward would say, because I do not believe in any kind of spirit contact. Like I. I don't know, maybe maybe I am a skeptic, because, like, I think we all wish that it was true. Like, I think we all wish that that would be true, because that's so fucking cool, right? That, would be neat, you know, consciousness would, would continue would... to exist after death. I mean, that's fucking rad as hell. Like, I don't think anybody actively wants that to be false. That's kind of how John Edward uh, portrays people he calls cynics in the book. He's like, oh, yeah, they, they just absolutely don't want it to be true. They're so biased, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, I think that... They just haven't seen anything to prove it. And that's how I feel. Um, and that, I mean, I guess another full disclosure is I'm a huge fan of James Randi, someone who John Edward maligns in his book a few times because James Randi is a famous uh, stage magician and de- debunker of psychic and paranormal phenomena. Uh, his work is excellent. I think he's I think he's just got such a good head on his shoulders, a very, very intelligent man, very well-rounded and rational, reasonable man. And I think that he has done the world a service. He um, he has debunked people like Peter Popoff, like those horrible. Um... <laughs> That's such a good name. Oh my God! Did you do you know anything about that? The Peter Popoff. I know. Ministries? Yeah, I, I, I vaguely know that guy. Yeah. So um... <laughs> uh, yeah, for those of you who don't know, uh, Peter Popoff was this like televangelist who claimed to be able to communicate with God and cure people of their ailments by laying on hands, which is like a. That's, like, a long tradition in, you know, spiritual communities different around the world, like the laying on hands thing. Um, and people would give him give him a lot of money. He was he had millions and millions and millions of dollars um, from, suppo- you know, from, like, people coming to these gatherings with him to hear him talk. And it was very um, over the top, you know. He'd be like, oh, Lord Jesus, this is coming down. It's going to burn your arthritis out like that. I mean, that's literally, literally how yeah, that's how it was. pretty good preacher voice yeah. there. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that that's the style. Um, I mean, I suppose you're paying for the performance on some level with that stuff. Yeah, but, well, what people didn't know is that what he was doing was he was, he was really doing hot reading, which is a technique whereby the performer... Um, gathers information about the people in the audience before they're to go on stage and then they are fed this information either physically by like reading through the information or in Peter Popoff's case he was fed the information live through an earpiece by his wife so he was actually communicating with his wife instead of God um <laughs> so maybe and, his wife is God in his house you know um, like... yeah I mean maybe you know you might you might be right about that so um he was basically fucking duping people for millions of dollars, and then James Randi and some other people, they went in, because they suspected something like that was going on because he had such spe- specific information, like their specific address and stuff. And so they they went, I don't know, they went to one of the sessions, they found that, you know, people were filling out these little prayer cards with all their information on it before the show, and then um, they, they brought some kind of... Um, uh, I'm sorry, I can't remember exactly, but some kind of, like, radio device that picked up radio signals, and they picked up a signal, and they connected to it, and they could hear this. They, like, they recorded the stream of the wife being like, PD, if you can hear me, like, go to this lady over here. She has arthritis. She lives at 1124B, you know, First Street, or whatever. So that was pretty fucking damning for, you know, he ended up, I mean, that guy, Popoff ended up losing all of his money, I think, luckily. Um... 
But, I mean, that's obviously, like... Do they, do they, like, sue him or something? I don't think, like, even if you lie and get money, like, people don't get to get their money back, depending on the lie. In no. that case, I feel like he would just get to keep all the money, because it's, uh, you know... No, I think I think he ended up losing uh, his fortune because he was spending so lavishly, and then all of a sudden the money stream came to a halt when, you know... When oh, well, then he's a fucking idiot, out. okay. Yeah, um, so... Yeah, it was just like, I don't know. It, it was ridiculous. So, anyway, James Randi is known for things like that. He also exposed Uri Geller as a fraud on The Tonight Show, I think? Uh, in the 70s? Yeah, he's he's been doing this for quite a while. Yeah, To the so, point that John Edward dedicated an entire, like, diss chapter to him in this book. Well, and, like... And if, like if, this, if this track was a rap album, that there would be, like, one yeah. track specifically of just, like, fuck James Randi. And, like, I don't want to... I don't want to try to say that... John Edward is as bad as Peter Popoff or anything. Like, I don't... I don't think he's that evil. I don't... But I do think that there is something uh, kind of intrinsically bad about leading people to believe that you are communicating with their dead family when okay. you're definitely well, not. Um, I mean, here's the the crux, right, that, like, basically all of this... That question at least centers around is do you think John Edward actually believes he's talking to ghosts? I think he believes it, it, which is the problem. Like, I think he really thinks that he can because it was something he was raised with and something that he's been doing since he was a teenager. And I think, yeah, I think he believes his own bullshit. Um, I I come down on that side, too. I just don't think he has, like, he has just a different vocabulary for other feelings he has. What he would call, like, his spirit guides lending him somewhere, I would just call... A gut feeling. Yeah, like an intuition based on lived experience and previous knowledge. Yeah, like, I... I, Yeah. Um, And I think that, you know, these images he claims to be conjuring when he's getting, you know, information from people, I think that's just what happens when you close your eyes and you think about stuff. Like, you just see images. Like, right? He just thinks all thoughts are ghosts. Like, Uh, every thought he's ever had is a ghost. (laughs) Yeah, I really think so. I think that... Oh, oh, a ghost told me to have some bacon this morning. I gotta follow my spirit guides. Yeah, no, I really think that's what it is. He's just like, oh, I'm seeing this pink rose. It's like, I don't know. You're just seeing whatever... You know, whatever your mind is fucking rambling to next. Because your mind is always moving. Yeah, kind of like that subconscious soup layer of thought where stuff just comes up out of and bubbles up out of randomly for, you know, I guess, you know, specific neurons are firing for whatever reason. Yeah, like... particular brain wrinkle makeup, you know. Yeah, like, all right, for example, while you were just talking, you know what I just thought of? A black chicken in a pink tutu. Like, that's what just came into my head. Like, is that... Is that somebody one of my dead relatives trying oh, to communicate oh. with me no it's just random shit happening in my brain there's a black chicken and a pink tutu it doesn't mean fucking anything all right uh, that's an interesting thought to have Paris, <laughs> well, that's what i'm saying like it's just maybe you should go to some uh, ghost therapy or something <laughs> for this <laughs> um, you should go to john edward he'll tell you that that's actually one of your like long lost relatives is your part black chicken in a pink tutu yeah uh but so anyway we kind of got a little bit off topic talking about like whether we believe psychics are real or not i mean I've just read, I mean, not extensively, but I've read some um, about uh, techniques of hot, warm, and cold reading, which are common techniques used by magicians and sometimes people who claim to be psychic to uh, make it seem like they are communicating with the dead or they can read minds. And, I mean, I think that for most people, when you see footage of John Edward or Sylvia Brown or any of those other big psychics, it's very convincing. Because it's very convincing for a lot of reasons. (laughs) Um, 
I mean, one is just the idea that, like, most people want to believe in this stuff. Like I was saying, I think everybody wants to believe that supernatural things are real. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, I, I think that, like, I wish that a lot of supernatural things were real because it just makes the world way cooler and less boring, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it, also, just, it makes things more interesting. My personal one is, like, I want to believe well, I want to believe the fucking UFO poster that aliens are a thing, but... I think even if there are any, they would be unable to communicate with us or reach us even because that's that's really hard to do across huge cosmic distances. But I really like every time I see like a fake UFO thing, there is a part of me that's like, oh, but like, what if that was real? Though? Yeah. And, and like, I feel the same way. You know, I wish that things like spirits and um, I don't know, interplanar communication and like astro pro, astral projection and shit like i wish all that stuff was real i think everybody does and i don't think there's anything wrong with that um however i do think that when you're confronted with something that something like that and you think it might be real i just really think you should i don't know do a do a quick internet search like it's not hard to just go to google or yahoo or whatever and just do a quick search and see if after reading a couple articles that kind of deconstruct the thing you saw like if you still believe and i, I just feel like every time i do that I know I can no longer believe because it's been proven to me that what I saw wasn't real. Um, and, you know, I, I do acknowledge that, like, science and magic aren't, science and the supernatural are not always two separate things. A lot of the time, supernatural things later come to be science. They come to be explained by science. So, like, I don't think that supernatural stuff and science is totally divorced. I think, if anything science should work to try to prove things that are supernatural. Um, because, like I said, I mean, it's, it's happened many times where things that people thought were magical were just something, you know, that happened. I mean, uh, I'm trying to come up with an example. Like, I mean, just like weather patterns yeah, before there was like a patterns. good explanation for like hurricanes and horrible tornadoes and hurricanes. Like a storm, if you're out in a especially scary storm, that can seem like wrath of the gods. Oh, yeah. To oh, shit. Shit. Sorry. Uh, sorry, my microphone fell down. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean, and I... You might want to get a little bit closer to your microphone in general, actually. Ugh, sorry. You sound just... a little far away. All right, I have to give up on Blanket for... Uh, blanket yeah, we're for... trying some new stuff to, like, help with the audio quality this time around. And it's, it's like, not going well, so I'm sorry. Um, I feel like I've created a lot of weird noises accidentally, but... Um, yeah, anyway, I think that... Uh, Anyway, um, you know, like, like Chris was saying, weather could, weather used to be considered totally supernatural and now we understand how it works, you know, and, um, there was like the... Not all the way with how meteorologists are just guessing pretty much up there a lot of the time. Pretty no. educated guesses, but... I mean, I, anyway, um, point being, I think that, um, a lot of these things seem so convincing because mostly people want to believe them. Secondly, these things seem so convincing because they are techniques that have proven over time to kind of work on people. So these people gravitate towards those techniques. For example, like war in worm reading, um, the person, you know, the, the magician or psychic or whatever will use um, very generic statements that seem very specific, but that actually apply to a lot of different people. Uh, and it's something, it's something that's used a lot in astrology, especially. Um, and it's been studied. It's called the Forer effect or the Barnum effect. Um, named for people who work to study it. Uh, so it, it's stuff like you have a lot of untapped potential. 
Dude, doesn't oh, like every, horoscope doesn't, stuff. Yeah, doesn't like, everybody want to fucking believe that? I mean, every, every like, th- you say that to anybody and they're going to fucking nod their head. Like, nobody is going to be like, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, so it's stuff like that. And then third, a lot of these things, I, I kind of actually feel like what these people do is pretty impressive because they're so good at reading jewelry, clothing, facial expressions, vocal, um, you know, vocal tones or, or size or slight muscular movements in the face that they can really really pull yeah it's a skill and like we're not i mean these people are fucking charlatans but i do think that they're good at what they do um yeah and but but yeah i think i do think that john edwards one of those people who really thinks that he's talking to spirits i think that he totally buys his own kind of brand um I don't know. That's probably just like 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 you said before, just because he was raised up in sort of the yeah. like his mom. Early in the book, he describes how his mom was bringing psychics over all the time. So I was like, well, of course you're gonna like want to be special, yeah, of and course. like impress your mom by also being psychic. So you're gonna try to ascribe some intuition, intuitive feelings you've had yeah. to being psychic or something like that. Yep, and um, so yeah, I mean, and, and anyway, we've kind of, we haven't even talked about the book. So the book. There's it, not much in there. Yeah, like um, it's it's, it's, a, it's a nonfiction book about how he got came to have his show essentially. Yeah, and let me tell you, it is a shittily woven together book with tired cliches and attempts to be catchy, and it's not good. Um, for example, <laughs> life's a bitch and then you die. Not a happy medium. Huh, huh, oh god, it's just like full of shit like that, and it's really yeah, tired. Yeah, it's a, um, he's he's a he's a a reader, not a comedian. Clearly, yeah, and. I mean, some of the stuff in the book was funny in an unintentional way. Like, I thought it was hilarious that he married his dance teacher and that he was a competitive dancer in his what? time in his time I off mean, of work. Man's got to have hobbies, right? Uh, like, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just look at John Edward and I don't think, like, salsa dancer. It's like, I don't know. I it's do so, with, with that, that, like, sweater or, like, long sleeve t-shirt he's wearing on the cover of the book. <laughs> that seems very, like, modern dancer to me. Yeah. Although he's, like... He said he was more ballroom dancer. Like, yeah, yeah, ballroom dance, yeah. But then he talks about playing, like, Latin beat music and dancing to it, so I don't know what he's doing. I wonder uh, if the psychic ability helps with the dance because you can, like, read your partner and, like, be a step ahead. Uh, uh, or uh, uh, oh, God. Yeah, maybe. Um, and so, anyway, that but that was, like, just what he did for fun also why did wait a minute why didn't he like blend that in he's like i'm the psychic dancer i can, oh my I can God, dance yeah. with ghosts why isn't he dancing yo with john ghosts? edward john... i got a business idea for you dog. john edward dance with ghosts you don't have to have a dance partner anymore you can just tour on your own and dance with ghosts oh man dancing with ghosts yes that's the new that's, that's the, the new name one. of my new romance novel actually or perhaps my ghosts. like 80s uh, magic soft rock uh compilation album yeah um, so, anyway, yeah, the bu- so, the other weird thing about this book is that he constantly writes the words, I don't respond to criticism, I do not, I'm not trying to, I don't defend this, but the whole book is a defense, the entire thing. He <laughs> spends the entire book defending himself. It's just one big himself. shield wall. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> I don't It's a phalanx really of, like, nuh-uh. Yeah, I don't understand why he keeps writing the, it's almost like, it's sort of like what's going on in politics right now where politicians are just outright lying, but because they're saying they're not lying, they believe it. It's like with him, he's just like, I am not, I, I don't defend, I'm not defending that. And, but that's all he's doing. The whole book, you know, like we mentioned earlier, you know, it takes, takes a little stab at James Randi. Although I, I do think he was, 
it's more than one little stab. It's I, a, there's a couple of good slashes or attempts at them. Well, there's a whole chapter where he's like, "Fuck James Randy, dog." I don't know. I do think it was more restrained than I expected, though. Um, well, yeah, because he's trying to come off as like reasonable. Yeah, and and this book is also written in an extremely simplified way. This is a book for. For, it's, it's a book for your grandma who yeah. watches John Edward's show and wants to know how it came about. For, for some reason, you need, really need to know like the studio negotiation nitty-gritty that resulted in a show about contacting the dead. And he does, like through the whole time, he's like, I'm kind of super surprised that anyone took a chance on this. And I'm like, I'm right there with you, dude. Yeah, like, yeah, I, me <laughs> too. Well, I'm not actually, because Sylvia Brown was, like, the preeminent psychic for a while, and, and, like, Miss Cleo and all that shit, like, I mean, that stuff was popular in the 90s, I'm not, I'm not that surprised by it, honestly, um, but... There's, like, two or three chapters where he describes going between a couple of different TV channels yeah, yeah. and trying, like, shopping around the the show, which was, like, honestly, like, I could, I don't care. I, I, I'm interested somewhat in, like, you know, production deals and how that stuff comes about, but... I don't know, with, like, TV show deals specifically, I kind of don't care as yeah, much. Yeah, I don't really. Um, and, yeah, so the book is actually kind of boring. It's just, like, him... He, so he's... he's The backdrop is, like, he's talking about how the show got started. He gives a little bit of a biography on himself and talks a little bit about himself and then um, goes into detail about some popular stories that were shown on the show, like, about the lady with the brother who died because he was hit with a baseball bat in an arcade, and I really didn't want to laugh at that, but... Oh. That seems just, like a very, like, it was so 50s weird. death somehow. It's like a greaser kind of thing. Yeah, like, I... Yo, there's Mac over there. I'm gonna bop him one. Yeah. <laughs> oh, was, no. Yeah. I did it too hard. I oh, bopped him too hard. Yeah, oh, no. I bopped him dead in the arcade. <laughs> like, oh, jeez. That was a weird one. Well, it was... It was... I think I laughed because of the way he presented it in the book. He was like... I woke up and a spirit hit me in the back of the head with a baseball bat. And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that spirit just doesn't like you very much. Can I, can I just take this second to aside here for my favorite line in the entire book? <sighs> um, he describes his spirit guides a lot and how they guide him and how he like usually learns lessons about how he shouldn't ignore them or something. Yeah. And at one point, the way he puts it is, um, let me tell you, if I... If I chose to ignore my spirit guides on this one, they would bang me so hard my head would spin. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, you know what? And I, <laughs> and I just want to say phrasing, John. Yeah. Like, I don't understand. What's the alternate interpretation of that? Because it literally just says, they would bang me so hard. So now I'm thinking about some kind of ghost orgy that dude, John dude, Edward must think, have had. No, I think we uncovered the secret of this book because I also found a weirdly sexual phrase. Um, and was also, like, very surprised that an editor didn't catch that and go, hmm, probably should change that. They uh, left it in there for titillation, basically. It makes the book better. It was something about a ghost threesome. I, I, <laughs> I, I like, I swear to God, it had the word threesome in it, and I was like, I Oh, under, it was I when they were describing, like, he was describing, like, having a meeting with some production people, and he was like, oh, we can make a threesome out of it, or something. Yeah, and it was just like, dude, that's not the word you want to fucking use. Oh, here we go. Oh, it was even better. Bonnie was talking to the other people. She liked the glow-in-the-dark threesome. <laughs> <laughs> dude, like, it's Okay, we're just gonna cover ourselves in glow-in-the-dark paint, shut off all the lights, yeah, and like... let me tell you, it's gonna be <laughs> real hot. You wanna talk about a hot read right now, hon. <laughs> Oh, 
Oh, that's right. Extra Um, spicy hot reading. I wrote a I wrote a note that I was sad that he ruined sliders for me. That show from the nineties because there was a he did a celebrity reading of the actress uh, Carrie Vurer who was on sliders, and I was like, no, you can't ruin sliders for me. I love that show when I was a kid. Do you remember I'm that getting show? Uh, I'm getting a lot of uh, playgrounds. I'm getting like a lot of playground images. What's up with that? Playgrounds? Oh, oh, sliders, I see. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. I was like, what are you <laughs> I, talking about? Um, I just did my own joke there. It was kind of lame. <laughs> so, yeah, and the other, the other thing that makes this book kind of shitty and tired is they, they have a lot of these, I don't know. Like, for example, one of the first things in the book that's supposed to be funny is... Oh, haha, ha. John Edward had to get set up in the lingerie department of a woman's, like, clothing store because no one respects his craft. Ha ha, guy in the lingerie department, isn't that so funny? Like, oh, no, please, why? They, they didn't put him, like, I didn't understand why they didn't have room in the book section if he was doing yeah. a book thing. Yeah, that, I mean, so that doesn't make sense to me. There are a lot of things in this book that I'm like, I really don't know if this is true. Like, I have no idea. Like, that's one of those things that I was like... There's no way to verify a lot of the like behind yeah. the scenes stories or anything, so you just kind of have to take his word for it. And that's that's the other thing I don't like about this book is like you really have no idea if he's just making all this shit up. Um, and I also don't believe the cute anecdote about him encountering a bookstore clerk who was to talk shit about his book to his face. Like, yeah, whatever. I don't think that really is that happened. the one on the back of the book, like the the, the no, story on the back of the book. No, no, this is like he went into a bookstore near his house and apparently the bookstore clerk there was talking shit about his book to his face oh I yeah like, i remember that ah. one. oh man oh wait 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 so we're gonna get we're gonna get to my favorite part which is john edwards um career before he devoted his life to being a psychic full-time so he talks about how he was first a phlebotomist and then he worked in the computer department of the hospital <laughs> and i was like wait do you just have like a like a computer Home Depot inside the hospital? Like, what's the computer department? You I, know what he—it's IT, but well, like he just yeah, has to but, phrase it. But here's the thing: you can't like this book is being sold to grandma who's watching his show all the time. So if you say the IT department, they're going to be utterly confused. I think if they say information technology, people would understand. Nope, nope, nope. Nuh-uh. trust I, me. I don't think. No, people don't fucking get it when you say that a lot of the time, uh, if they're, especially if they're, like, above 50 or 60. So the computer department not, made yeah. me laugh a whole lot because that came up a couple times. Um, I don't know. He made some – he keep, he's talking about how he's, like, a TV junkie and he made a bunch of, like, movie and TV references that I just didn't get. I don't know. Um, it was because like, he was really into, like, daytime soaps from, like, when he was a kid. So obviously – yeah. Aside from like all my children or something, which he might have mentioned once or twice, that's still running. Like you're not gonna get references to daytime serials from forever ago that you weren't around for. That yeah, probably. Uh, yeah, this book came out in 2001, so it's actually pretty old. Uh, I I don't know why, but I was like, oh, this is a recent book, and then I looked at the date and was like, oh, that's not recent at all. I mean, it was so... in fairly good condition because uh, this yeah. was purchased as part of a book pile i did oh yeah i bought for a music pile. video so um it, it i'm assuming someone gave it to the library and like spoiler alert no one ever fucking took it out or yeah, did anything so they it put it looks in the per- brand new like yep it, it's it's it was fresh out the box basically it does. um yeah i mean and then we can <laughs> i don't know i made some other silly notes like he always takes his sneakers off for private readings. Like, ugh. Yeah, you want to get real comfy in also, there. Also, like, he goes on... Well, actually, I should probably... Can, like, I can't feel the ghosts unless yeah. my feet are touching the floor. The rubber soles are insulating against ghosts. Yeah, I... 
fucking, I don't know. That's some hippie bullshit right there. <laughs> um, so he was talk. I think I should let you talk about this about, uh, so in addition to constantly saying that he's not defending himself or ma- mounting a defense while he is doing th- that the entire time, he also says, this isn't about money the entire time while demonstrating that he is very much about making money with this. So but, like, yeah, well he, yeah. to him, he's saying like his spirit guides, this is what they were going to bang him about actually is yeah. like, if he ever went like for the money only or something like that. He talks a lot about like, I have to, I mean, you have to make money to survive, but I would just want to keep a, a nice balance where I'm really doing it for the, for the work before the money really. And I know if I went for the money first, that everything would get screwed up and I would fail spectacularly. And the way I think of it, the way I see that is like not really because if you're thinking about profit first, then that's probably how your show is going to continue. Well, yeah, that's how you're going to make money. And also, yeah. the, the most egregious example, of course, is that he's saying that oh, I'm not in for the money. I don't need this to do this for the money. But throughout the book, he's talking about how he needed better space for like an office thing and how that was getting him down. That he wasn't having a lot of clients. And also at the very end of the book, after all of this stuff about I'm not in for the money, I just do this for the for the heck of it. The very last page of the book is a little mail-in order form for a John Edward appreciation pin. Just send in two ninety five and this little card, and we'll send you a, a, a John Edward appreciation pin. A pink rose pin, because pink roses are how spirits tell him that they're they're sending love to their living relatives. That's the okay. Th- this is a good segue into the other thing about all his readings and everything. So every ghost that wants to express love uses the same imagery, and you don't think that's just how your head interprets things and not just actual spirit messages? No, you know what's Cause... happening. No, Chris, no, you're missing it. So all the spirits are getting patched through the, the spirit-to-life translator, and it's that translator. It's that same lady they keep getting, and she's oh, yeah. patching <laughs> them through with the pink roses. It's the pink rose again, honey. I, mean... I, I, you know, I just that, That's what I see all the time. But here's the, like a, a perfect example where, like... <laughs> All his ghosts and spirits kind of have the same thing to say all the time, it seems. There's not really a change in attitude ever. There's never, like, a pissed ghost who's like, Hey, hey, Melanie, I'm here because you owe my daughter $100. I know you haven't paid her Uh, yet. Yep, yep. I'm getting a a lot of, like, money uh, and anger. (laughs) Yeah, that never happens. Like... So, yeah, something else about this book is, A, nothing bad ever happens to John Edward, first of all. Like, except for that one thing towards the end where that Time article came out where somebody that had been on the show accused them of doing a bunch of shit. Um, Like, that's the only bad thing that ever happens to him. And he gets to just travel wherever he wants and have these, oh, you know, I love going to the, I love going to the Caribbean. It's just like my happy place. And, you know, we really wanted to shoot the show there and... And oh yeah, I just like went to California, and oh yeah, now I'm in Florida in New York. I had this wonderful like, retreat. Everyone was it was so nice against the beach while I was served by hotel staff, probably. Yeah, he is he is such a privileged white dude, and it comes through the uh, the entire book. I mean, and he, even at one point, there's this really awkward scene. It's probably the only time that race is ever brought up in the book at all. Um, but he early so this is before the show started he was trying to get in touch with some people to make the show happen and he got in touch with this lady and he had only ever talked to her on the phone and this is the 90s this is like before people were really like stalking people online and googling them i mean the internet was there but it wasn't it wasn't a facebook profile for every other person out there people didn't really use it that way um yet so he had only talked to this woman on the phone and when he first met her in person 
he was like, you're not black. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. And she was like, what? She's like, yeah, my name is, like, her, her, like, middle name was black, or her, like, her last name was, like, Black Raimi or something. It was, yeah, her last name was, like, two words, and the first name was black. It was like Allison's so he just Black thought Raimi. because the last name was Black that she would actually no. And he was like, he was like, he was like, no, you you sounded Black, and she was like, what? And then they like had a good laugh about it, and I was like, that was fucking weird. Why did yeah, you put that? Yeah, that's just in this a book? weird that's thing terrible. to bring up and care about. It's like, oh, I can't believe you weren't this one thing. Like, okay, so who fucking cares other? In yeah, either direction, it dude. was yeah, it was just weird. And anyway, I mean, not that I don't know. It, it was just can, a strange... can we? Uh, so that kind of. Hold on, I, it, that reminds me of something. And then I lost my train of thought immediately after. Fuck! No, it's early so, in the morning for us. It's not. Oh, I remember. I remember because he was talking. He was talking about having this meeting with a television producer, and when he rolls up to her, like he he she happened to be like sitting near him at a restaurant or something, and yeah. so then he walks up to her and he's like, "Oh, you're that TV producer lady." He they'd only talked over the phone, but like he pre- she turns around and. He presents her, like, knowing his voice as some kind of, like, latent psychic ability oh, or something. Oh, yeah, and Naomi, yeah. Even though he had read her over the phone before, like, he did a phone yeah, reading like, with her. Yeah, like, she heard your voice, dog. Like, I know it was, like, a month apart or something, but some voices you can file away pretty easily as recognizable. Yeah, yeah and he was like, oh, it was so mysterious how she knew who I was. Like, yeah, you guys have talked to the phone times. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't, oh, uh, yeah. So, um, and then, so back to the money thing. He's talking about, like, on page 17, he says, I saw no reason to be embarrassed about seizing this opportunity to be paid as much money as I honestly could for my hard work. Money could be a byproduct of what I do, but it could not be the reason. Um, or else he get banned by ghosts. Remember, and then, like, remember. A few pages later, he proceeds to, to say that he was charging $200 for a reading in the 90s. Yeah, that's that is uh, so much money. That is so much money. That's like four hundred dollars. Like it's like three hundred dollars. Yeah, like three to four hundred dollars now, depending on. Yeah. And appa- apparently, by the end of the nineties, he was charging like three hundred dollars a reading. So like, oh yeah, oh yeah, your costs got so great that you had to the, go up a hundred dollars. Listen, in a few years. Paris, like, you don't know fucked. what the overhead is like on Ghost Contact. Oh yeah, you, you gotta to, pay that translator. Yeah, she's probably expensive. yeah. You gotta pay the translator first of all. You gotta uh, like line your room <laughs> with like psychic material to help it, you know, bring in the the reception a little bit better. Let me, let me tell you, you don't want to be in the middle of a reading and fiddling with the antenna like it's an old TV set. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, he also calls his spirit guides, like Chris was talking about earlier. They are five to six highly evolved spirit guides, and he calls them the boys. So throughout the Let's entire book, for the boys. he's like, oh, the boys think this. Oh, my guides, the boys. And it's like, oh, it's just so dumb. I, I yeah, like, this is clearly just his gut feelings and intuition on things that he just gave a name sentience to. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, that's right. I want to talk. So at the beginning of the book, when he's talking about kind of how he came into his powers and stuff with, with like his mom always having psychics over and and stuff. I guess he got his start uh, doing readings at psychic fairs when he was a teenager. All right, psychic so... fairs, which this is this concept here was hilarious to me. I can't believe I forgot about it, but the psychic fair sounds like a fucking time to me. Oh, dude, that's a thing that happens all the time in Salem, especially. 
Oh, I I believe I oh, believe yeah. so, but like I I just hadn't heard about it until I read this book, and I was like kind of intrigued at the idea of just rows and rows of people going like, "No, I can read your mind. No, I can read your mind. Yeah, I no, knew yeah. you were gonna come here first instead of the other person." Yeah, no, it's more like I can read your palm. I can read your mind. I can tell if your aunt's coming to town by looking at your toe. Like it's like everybody has their specialty. <laughs> um, and this woman. All right, so I have a theory, Chris. I have a theory. Come, come away with me on this journey. Okay. So, I, all right, so in the book, he talks about his wife, Sandra, the dance instructor who he married, um, as his earthly guide. And then later on, he starts talking about Shelley Peck, who, quote, when he was a teenager, became one of his closest friends. She was closer in age to his mother, but it didn't matter. She was his first earthly guide. All right, I think he fucked Shelley Peck. I think... I think that this I think that this spirit lady like took him under her under her leg wings and I think <laughs> I think I think that they had some spirit sex and I think uh yeah, yeah I think so that happened. Earthly so, guides him into their vagina is Yeah, really so what... earthly guide is the phrase that I will now forever use to refer to someone I sex with i don't know um no you're the earthly guide because you're the woman oh, and right. you're guiding and i'm the an, man and i'm and i'm earthly and motherly because sure yeah. Yeah. uh and so anyway he fucked shelly peck that's my theory just a theory <laughs> this isn't slander this you is heard, theory you, you heard it here first uh we're positive <laughs> john, <laughs> john edward's ter- lawyers please don't sue us it, it's just a joke <laughs> come to terrible book club for your uh psychic uh, relationship fanfic i don't know yeah uh, I don't know, I made some other notes, like, he talks about how he was really broken up when his mom died, and I was like, well, why care if your mom's dying if, like, you can still talk to her and shit? Like, who gives, like, why? Why care? Because you can't right? see her anymore, and you can't, like, share food or, you know, yeah, physical time. Well, I don't know, but, but then they talk about how ghosts take physical form sometimes in this book. Oh, yeah, the, the, but, yeah. like... I don't know. Again, like the the thing that always gets me is like all your ghosts have the same attitude all the time. Yeah. There's there's never a mean ghost or nope. a horny ghost or like nope. a prankster ghost even. Why isn't there like a, a jester ghost or something? You think like you would have so much time in the afterlife to just hang around to just think of fun ways to fuck with John Edward or something. Yeah, like why aren't they like putting whoopee cushions on his chairs all the time? Like that's what I would do, you know, like <laughs> something really dumb but like innocuous and, and harmless. Yeah, it and like like I guess we should talk about that a little more in depth, but yeah, none of these ghosts ever have like you said, anything bad to say. They're never like they never come back and they're like, It was you who killed me Like they're there you was, know, they're there, never like finding their there murderers. Was one, like never... grandma ghost who was like very possessive of items or something. She was like, yeah. That's my watch on like that's like the worst it ever got. Yeah. Cause even even the guy that died didn't offer any information about how he was shot in the head on a boat off the coast of Florida. He was just like, Hey, I just tell my girlfriend like it's cool and I'm not mad at her anymore. Yeah, it's always just a, a message of closure, and it's like, how is that? How are none of these ghosts mad? I don't, or like, <laughs> or like sad or uh, violent. Like, I yeah, I don't get it. And the other funny thing about this is that he talks about um, how he sometimes how he gets surprise attack readings. How like, or uh, su- sorry, oh, surprise, no. surprise attack uh, communications or whatever from ghosts, and it's like. 
So, wait, so he could just be, like, fucking his wife and then suddenly be like, hold on, honey, I'm getting a signal. Hang on. <laughs> hold, like, oh, beep, hold beep, on. Beep, 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 beep. The yeah. ghost is telling me to pull the fuck out because I don't need to make kids with you. <laughs> yeah, right? And it's like, so what? While he's driving, he could just, his eyes could just glaze over and, like, fucking The ghost wants you to swallow my load, okay? So you really need but no, like, while he's driving, what, he's just gonna get a signal from a ghost and, like, veer off the road and die? Like, I don't, I don't buy that. Like, he seems to only have these surprise attack, you know, experiences when it's safe for him to do so. Like, for example, when, when dramatically he's sitting, appropriate. Yeah, when he's sitting in a chair in a studio and he's like, oh, my, my mouth just kind of went slack and I was just staring off in the distance. And it's like, yeah, well, if that happened while you were driving or, like, trying to walk across the street or having sex or... I don't know, cooking or doing or, I don't know, building a fucking tree fort, like, anything, wouldn't that cause problems in your life? Like, I don't understand this. It doesn't make any sense. Well, yeah, it's, it's all the ghosts are very conveniently fitting into what needs to be heard and what needs to be said. Why isn't there a ghost that, like, just doesn't have closure? Why, I guess, like, the way he puts it is, like, the afterlife makes you feel as if everything is fine and okay and, like, you don't care about anything that ever happens in your previous physical life. By the way, he's also super Christian. He he couches this he's all ca- in, Catholic, like, yeah. that this yeah. is, like, God allowing this communication to happen. Yeah, he yeah, so this is very a very Catholic-based thing, which is interesting. Um, and I think that maybe that's why he's had such a wide appeal, because... So many people like, in the United States are, you know, some variant of Christianity. That's another thing. Why Why um, doesn't he ever get contact from hell? Why Why doesn't he ever receive the screams of the eternally tortured? Right, yeah. And, and yeah, so it's like, can he only talk to people who are in heaven? Is that the, the thing? Like, is it... Because, yeah, like, what that about... That sounds like a pretty convenient one-way uh, psychic receptor. Yeah. Very regional directional uh, microphone on this on this on his brain here. Doesn't yeah, it rejects and... everything from hell, only picks up heavenly, very content ghosts. Well, you see, I mean, hell's on 66.6 and, you know, heaven's on yeah. 55.5. So, yeah, they're exactly. totally different channels, Chris. He's just tuned yeah. in 55.5, all right? <laughs> yeah, sure. And yeah. So, no, but I, yeah, I don't understand yeah, why he's never getting any and he never gets any like e- like truly evil spirits like like, he's claimed to have gotten, like, Andy Warhol and, like, uh, not Elvis. Was it Elvis? Or was it? Yeah, he did get Elvis. He's, yeah. He supposedly, like, Elvis wasn't the one he was contacting, but he was, like, standing next to yeah. the person he was contacting. Yeah. Which I think is a real good cop You could just say that for anything. Oh, your dad's coming through and he's up there with, uh, Elvis. Oh, wow. Well, except in this case, the guy actually did work with Elvis in life and he, the, this was the guy who wrote Blue Suede Shoes. Um, yeah, so famous it, producer I mean, or it, it made sense in that instance. But yeah, I mean, why doesn't he ever get, like, I don't know, fucking Joseph Mengele? Like, I don't know, some, <laughs> some, someone just absolutely despicable. I'm getting, oh no, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. are you German by uh, any yeah, Oh boy, do I have a surprise for you. Uh, <laughs> well, and, and the other... Uh, inter- your great-great-uncle Joseph is here, and he has some fucked up things to say, actually. <laughs> yeah, like... Okay, first of all, I would totally watch that show. I'd watch a show about a medium who was like, I get everybody, I get your angels, I get your demons, I get your evil Nazi war criminals, come, come You might on not down. like what you hear. Yeah, like, that would be far more <laughs> convincing than, Grandma loves you, and here's a pink rose. Like, it's so obviously pandering to people who have recently lost someone in their lives. I mean, and that they just want something nice said. So here's the next point that I guess we should discuss, because, like, 
do you think it's okay for these people if this is the one way that they're going to get closure? Do you think that's like a net good? I mean, it's in my nature to say no to that question. Um, I don't think it's good. I mean, for you personally, sure. But like, let's say it was someone that really believed in this stuff and like really this was the only way that they would feel fine. I don't know, man. I just, my thing is that he's taking money from people and that's the problem. You know, if it was just a, I don't know, but even, I don't know. I don't think it's good because it's, it's no matter how you look at it, it's not really happening. Even if people think it is, I don't think it's Sure. But even if it's not like factually mechanically happening, if there's thousands of people now that have closure and feel good about the death of a relative and they were able to stop mourning because of that. I know. Well, and then, and then, you know, I also think about the other good things that have supposedly come of this that John talks about in the book. And one of them is that, um, that story about the man who, uh, whose dad got deported back to Germany in 1946. Like, first of all, when was that ever happening in this country? I don't know, but apparently it did. His dad got deported back to Germany in 1946 and him and his mom had to stay in the U.S. And so he never saw his dad again for his whole life. And after going, after being on the John Edward show, um, crossing over, he, uh, I don't know, somehow John Edward gave him some information about Portugal and Brazil, and he was, like, able to find his half-sisters who he didn't know he had in Germany, and, like, then he found out that his dad was also looking for him his whole life, and I mean, that's really great that, you know, as a result of this fucking bullshit something good happened like somebody found family members and like got closure on a strained relationship with a parent but like i don't think it's cool that they think that their dad is like still there i don't know i mean also to me another point to bring up about that is like that could have reasonably have happened he you know came up with brazil or portugal he heard something before or he literally just guessed but you know you don't he's not going to put in all the times that he did guess someone's family's location and it didn't pan out or something. So if you do, if you do enough of these readings, one of the, something's going to hit like this. So I don't feel like one story like this, or even like, there was like seven or eight stories he had in here of like, Oh look, it's proof. I'm really doing this. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think for him, like I said, I think John Edward really believes this stuff. And I think he really does think he's doing good because of these, you know, these handfuls of people who have experienced good things as a result of interacting with, John and having a reading I don't know I mean I think that that's great and fuzzy and everything but it's it bothers me that so many other people are kind of duped you know because not everybody gets anything good out of a reading with John Edward and I think that even though in this book he talks over and over and over again about how oh I never want my show or or this book or anything that I'm doing to only portray my hits because there are a lot of misses But then he says, and he's like, yeah, I'm wrong sometimes. But then in other parts of the book, he says he's never wrong. The information is always correct. It's just not always picked up on by the the people there. I just misinterpreted it. Yeah, and I I just think he needs to decide, like, are you never wrong or are you wrong sometimes? Because, like, I'm sorry, but if you watch unedited footage of his show, it's not very impressive. Um... So I've, you know, I did a little bit of background research on this before we did the show and, um, James Randi and I believe, 
I think Michael Shermer even wrote, um, did like a quick analysis of some tape of the John Edward show, Crossing Over show, and, you know, John Edward just thinks that like, oh, they, they watch, you know, 30 minutes of footage and say how bad it is, but they don't see all the good stuff, and it's like, well, I mean, they're trying to be objective, and they just randomly picked some footage, and it, and it wasn't great, so like, that's what they have to work with. And I, yeah, I think he really, he suffers from confirmation bias, just like his audience. I feel like John Edward just thinks about all the good things that, you know, all the hits and all the good things that he's brought about. And I mean, I can't say I blame him for it. Like, this world is a shithole and people are always looking for the good in it. And I don't, I can't blame anybody for that. Like, that's not a bad thing to do. But I do think you have to kind of do that in context and you can't just blindly be like, oh man, I guess that her mom's name was Betty. Like... I'm a fucking genius. Like, no, it's just, like, like I said, if you follow a cold reading procedure, like, like, okay, like, we did the joke at the beginning of the show where we were guessing each other's breakfast, and, like, uh, Chris didn't get very far with me, but if you listen to what I was doing, I was allowing for a lot of different options and interpretation, and it eventually got, it eventually got us there, right? Yeah, I generalized enough at the end. I figured out how to, like, bring it back to a a wider picture, I think. Yeah, so it's like, okay, so I said, because I was thinking maybe you had, like, bacon or something. That's why I was like, oh, it was Well, the trick was is that I had not, I have not eaten anything yet today. I've literally only had this cup of tea that is, I'm not even all the way through right now. Yeah, I just finished some tea myself, but, well, just so you know, I had leftover Indian food for breakfast, so I don't think you ever would have guessed that, but, um. I had literally nothing, which I thought you wouldn't guess, so. No, I, well, he had tea, but, I, you know, but you see what I was doing was I was like, okay, yeah. I see an animal, oh, me, I see a barnyard, oh, before. I see a farm, oh, and, yeah. yeah, and I knew you, but, you know, it's like, if you just kind of keep rolling, I think that anybody can become proficient at cold reading, and, and honestly, that's something that's been proven time and time again. Um, yep. So, Ray Hyman is a man who's actually from our area, he's from Boston, Cambridge area, and um, he is... A member of the um, the psychops or whatever that um, uh, John Edward talks about briefly in the book, and you know it's just like a skeptics um, kind of group. Uh, that's and... an acronym, by the way. They they didn't just call themselves psychops. No, it's like, like it's the... like the psychological something. I mean, something. clearly they made that acronym so they could do that, but they you know it, it's at least a step away from with a psychops. Halt, John Edward. Okay, uh, <laughs> but uh. So, Actually, the Psycops are a group of very depressed cops. They aww. just can't bring themselves to do anything. <laughs> they just sit in their desks sighing all the time. Um, so anyway, Ray Hyman is, uh, I think, was it James Randi? Who, no, it was somebody else. So uh, when he was in college, actually, here at, uh, I can't remember if he went to Northeastern or Boston University, but uh, he was in college somewhere in Boston. And this was, this was many years ago. It's probably like 50 years ago now. He, uh, he read palms to make money as a student. So, uh, I, I don't really know, like, <laughs> how he ended up, I don't know, doing that, but he was like, I don't know, it seemed like an easy way to make money, and so he was, he did it a couple of times and felt like people really liked what he told them, and so he, you know, he read up on uh, palmistry and did all this research, and he set up a little business for himself, and that's what he did to make money while he was in school. And then one of his friends you know, and he, I mean, he even went so far as to, like, convince the head of his department at school and to convince people who were skeptical. And so one day one of his good friends was like, you know, Ray, do me a favor. 
the next client you have, tell them the opposite of everything you think and see how it goes. And it went just as well. And he did that with client after client after client. And he said he felt so terrible. He was just like, I can't believe this. He's like, you tell them anything and they'll, they'll agree with you. Because palmistry is sort of like warm reading where like you actually, eh, yeah, it's not quite hot reading because they don't, they don't typically have information about you beforehand, but because you have to be in person to do it, they take note of things like your clothing, jewelry, makeup, you know, hair, whatever. Um, and sweatiness of your hands yeah yeah i mean maybe um and yeah like if your hands are sweaty they might be like oh you're a very nervous person you're like oh yeah you know and they and they use those very generic statements similar to astrology and you know the um like the the four and barnum bias stuff yep and he was just like wow okay uh time to not do this anymore because this is not real um because he was like you know it didn't really matter what you said to them it was more that I mean, not to mention, most people that seek out services like that already want to believe really hard or already believe. So you're already dealing with a group of people who are predisposed to those ideas, which is going to heighten your chances of being accurate anyway, right? So um, anyway, Ray Hyman uh, later went on to, he actually, because he discovered this, he changed his major to psychology in school and went on to become um, a psychologist. And he actually did a really, really great breakdown uh, that I'm not going to go over entirely because it's really long and I don't want to waste too much time on the show talking about one thing. You could just go find it yourself. Too, yeah, you, um, if... actually, yeah, I'll give you the web address. It is www.csicop.org. Um, and on that website, that's the PSYCOP website. You can find a lot of wonderful things on there about... Um, you know, supposed about those phenomenon. sad cops, man. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. I didn't want to work again. This oh, so sad. I don't want overtime. <laughs> um, so no, there's uh, no donuts. Oh, oh my God, Chris. <laughs> um, so anyway, so Ray Hyman did a wonderful breakdown and analysis of the very quote unquote study that John Edward talks about in this book that we read. So in this book, he talks about participating in a study led by Gary Schwartz at the. Uh, at Arizona State University, um, where they tried to prove that consciousness after death persists. And <laughs> Arizona State um, University just funding whatever. <laughs> no, I mean, I like I said, I actually think that science, like, should, you know, should try. I agree, sometime. but I don't think this experiment was the way to do it. Uh, no, and I'm going to tell you why. Whoever, so, whoever wrote this grant <laughs> thing is should get hired somewhere else for getting money. Yeah, I mean, so... This study, um, when I was reading it in the book, I was like, oh, wow, I can't believe I haven't heard of this study before. Like, this sounds really interesting. You know, the way that John explained it, he was like, oh, it was a blind study and blah, blah, blah. And like, we were all separated and and da, da, da. And I was like, huh, interesting. So then I was like, all right, I'm obviously going to do a little research on this because I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued to see, you know, because John was saying uh, the psychics were accurate, like, 83% of the time if they could see the person they were reading and like 77% if not I'm probably misquoting those numbers but it was 80 something percent if they could see them and 70 70 something percent if they couldn't if they could just hear them and I was like wow those are really those are really good that's really good numbers like I was I was like damn okay you know maybe I should I should read about this study because like I said you know I don't believe in this shit so I was like all right I'm gonna find this study so yeah, of course I know I've 
found like a bunch of different people being like, yep, this is what's wrong with the study, but I really think that Ray Hyman's breakdown is the best. He really goes into detail, um, but I'm just gonna go over just his list of 14 things that are prob a problem. Um, one, he says that they used inappropriate control comparisons. Two, inadequate precautions against fraud and sensory leakage. Three, reliance on- Oh, I hate sensory leakage. Oh, it's so gross. Yeah. It's all over the place. I know, it sounds, sounds silly, but... Um, <laughs> reliance on non-standardized, untested dependent variables. Failure to use double-blind procedures. Inadequate blinding, even in what he calls single-blind experiments. You really want to stab their eyes all <laughs> the way out. Well, no, and we'll, and we'll talk about a, a little bit about like what these things mean if you've never heard of any of this. Um, failure to independently check on facts the sitters endorsed as true. Use of plausibility arguments to substitute for actual controls. Failure to use adequate randomization procedures. Using only sitters who are predisposed to the survival hypothesis. Inappropriate statistical tests. The confusion of exploratory with confirmatory findings. The calculation of conditional probabilities that are inappropriate and grossly misleading. Creating non-falsifiable outcomes by reinterpreting failures as successes. Inflating significance levels by failing to adjust for multiple testing and by treating unplanned comparisons as if they were planned. So uh, I'm sure that a lot of what I just said to you was kind of gobbledygook, but um... So, like, all right, so blind, um, blind and double-blind studies, so in blind studies, um, the scientists know what's going on, but the participants don't. In double-blind studies, both the scientists and the participants don't really know what's going on. Like, for example, they may be asked to administer, um, you know, two pills to subjects, uh, one pill's, you know, real and the other's a placebo, but in a, you know, in a regular, in a blind experiment, the scientists administering the pills would know which pill was, you know, the real pill and which was the placebo. And in a double blind experiment, neither the, the scientists nor the, um, the uh, participants would know. Yeah. That's kind of the basics of that. So this, and, and honestly, you really need double blind in, in anything you do in studies. I don't, I mean, that's how I feel. I just feel like unconscious bias depending on so the mechanics strong. of the study it might not be possible you yeah know, that's like, true that's not true. everything's a couple pills and a placebo no that's true but um i think uh, for um as far as circumstances allow i believe you should strive for double blind studies because unconscious bias is so strong sometimes that it's gonna happen no matter what so it's already a red flag that the procedure wasn't double blind i mean the other thing that i think is a glaring problem is the fact that they, uh, so in, in his list, in the study, they, sitters were, um, the people being read. So just the participants being read by the psychics. Um, and they were all predisposed to believing in this stuff. And they didn't randomize, they didn't use a randomization process, which is ridiculous. So, like, if you've ever taken statistics or if you're a scientist yourself, like, you know that proper randomization is, you need to be as truly random as possible. That means, like, taking a phone book, <laughs> putting names into Excel, and, like, shuffling them randomly, but using different, um, um, help me here, what am I trying to think of? Uh, algorithms. So, like, like, you really have to, you really, it's really gotta be random. In this study, they literally just gathered up a bunch of people they knew, and they were just like, yeah, this will work. And it's like, what? That's not, that's not what you do. Like, yeah. You need to put out a call for people who'd be willing to, and, and like, honestly, you probably, yeah, like, like Chris said, you know, it may or may not be easy to make it double blind, but like, 
you could just gather up a bunch of people saying you were testing, like, strength of brainwaves or something. I don't know. And, yeah, like, yeah. you know, anyway, they didn't didn't randomize anything. They chose people it was, who were predisposed to It sounded to like, like a, you know, a very basic experiment that was, like, this guy's, like, a accredited doctor. Like, he's... You would think he would have way better protocol than something that I feel like I could have come up with as yeah, someone who's yeah. never run a lab. I know. I felt I felt that way too as I read more about it. I was like, wow, this is kind of surprising. And that's sort of what Ray Hyman says too. He's like, yeah, what? Like, basically, it's just like, the fuck, dude, you're a scientist. Like, how did you fuck this up so bad? And um, yeah, and and you know, Ray Hyman was also just like, you know, if you're gonna do something like this, sharing something like this should be shared as exploratory findings, which means that, like, we did a pilot test and this looks promising, therefore we're going to set up, um, a, like, a real experiment to confirm this. There's a sure, difference yeah. between exploratory and confirmation findings, and, like, every scientist knows that, even people who aren't scientists like me, so it's kind of strange. Um, you know, and then just the way that they calculated stuff wasn't good, you know, they, um... They didn't really have actual controls. Uh, they just used plausibility arguments instead of yeah. controls, which is like, what? Um, they didn't check on any of the facts. So That's the most egregious one. Yeah, like, where they were just uh, like, oh, they just took their word for it. Yeah, that, I mean, that's another thing. That's like another control that was just like total, a total blunder where, you know, let's say they had, they had this lady and she was like, say like John Edward or one of the other psychics was reading her and they were like... Did you have, I don't know, I'm getting an R, and you're like, oh, my dog's name is Rover, and he's like, I had a dog, or I had a dog named Rover, and whatever, you know, and he died when I was five, and, like, they didn't actually, like, check with anyone in that person's family or, like, interview them afterward to find out if it was true or if they were just agreeing to stuff, because as crazy as it sounds, people do do that. They will say yes to things that aren't true because in the moment they might feel like they might feel pressured they might feel societal pressure to do so they might do so just because they want something to be true and then also they might do it because they're just falsely remembering something you know so in this example that woman could have gone home and went oh wait my dog wasn't rover that was my friend's dog across the street you know but then you know but obviously like in this case the the fucking study wouldn't know that because they didn't check up on anything afterwards it's like it's just like it uh, seems like a very a basic mess. step to, to, to verify things and that verifying that would be like, I don't know, some interns work or like lab assistants job for like a week or something. It's not that hard to do. And it's a very basic step just to ensure veracity. You would yeah. think you would want to go as far as possible for ensuring every little tidbit of info was verified. Yeah. And he, and like their control group. Oh my God. So yeah, he taught. Um, so Hyman, Hyman mentions that like their actual controls weren't controls at all. And like, that's what led to inappropriate control comparisons because their control was like a bunch of undergraduate students who were just asked to randomly guess at things and I was like what that's not that doesn't even make sense yeah so I I don't know and honestly I feel like in this case like the the scientist Schwartz was kind of the charlatan here and kind of duped the mediums because then all the mediums yep. walked away from this going Oh my god, it's been scientifically proven that I can talk to dead people. Holy fuck, I'm so accurate. And, like, people like John Edward, now they're, they, I mean, John Edward put this in his book as proof that 
the shit he does is real, and that like he cooperates. Yeah, because finally, a, a, a verifiable and I was claim. Just like, Holy fuck, that's not true at all. And now anybody that read this book also thinks that. And I'm just like, oh fuck me, like this is so messed up. I can't believe the scientist made such a shit show out of this exploratory, uh, you know, investigation. He just wanted that sweet, sweet grant funding and didn't really care about it. He just came up with something random so, so he could get that no. sweet, sweet science funding. No. That's how scientists work. That's what Fox News told me, man. <laughs> no, I think that Gary, Gary Schwartz just, he's one of those people who really wants to believe. And I mean, because, you know, then he put out a book called The Afterlife Experiments, Breakthrough Scientific Evidence of Life After Death, with an introduction by Deepak Chopra. Yikes. Um, so, yeah. you know, it's... Unfortunately, I think Gary Schwartz was, you know, eating his own bullshit, much like John Edward, and they just kind of fed each other in a horrible Ouroboros loop of psychic garbage. So, yeah, there's that. That was, like, the like the worst part about the book to me it was that chapter where they were trying to, like, lend some scientific credibility to things, but clearly the way the study was being done wasn't very super well thought out it just seems like it, it's it's one of those first glance things where if you don't really know a lot of scientific procedure that it seems oh yeah no that that seems like how you would prove that but if you just dig a little deeper or you know yeah. do some research on how to properly safeguard against you know all possibilities that they, it requires a lot more steps than just having some grad students come in and guess as your control group. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. So and separating the the mediums in different rooms, like not you know, not even separate days or anything. Just they're in the same house, just different areas. Well, yeah, and that was that was a sensory leakage thing where like they didn't make sure that they couldn't hear each other through walls or under doors or anything. And then after they were done, they were all allowed to like hang out in the yard outside, and it was like. Yeah, it seems like real uh, basic stuff. Yeah, I uh, yeah, a lot of things are. I mean, and John Edward like tries it. He was like, "Oh, that was the only problem with the study," and like that was it. And I was like, "No, it wasn't." Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't have much more to say about this book because the rest of it is just him talking about negotiating TV deals, and there's like really nothing to say about. Oh man, that. come on! You don't want to talk about the fucking manatee story? That one was great. The manatee story? You don't remember the manatee chapter when Nicole, Nicole and Roger? Oh right, yeah, like how the the like the, one of the people working on his show like recently lost a boyfriend, and they used to stand at like some dock where, where the manatees came by sometimes. Yeah, so yeah, and, and it's funny. So like this whole little chapter on Nicole and Roger. So Nicole was yeah, a lady that worked on the show, and uh, she was sitting actually not in the studio she was sitting outside like on a patio because this was filmed in florida and they were filming it in some i don't know some weird set and she was like outside actually i don't even think this was his show right was this somebody else's show uh, uh yeah i think he was being interviewed on some other tv program and they were using like they were trying to bring in some examples of reading anyway but the point of the story is like this lady was out on like a pier or something on the back or the patio or whatever and he and, got like, her a reading for her through a wall right yeah and then like a manatee waddles up to the pier and looks at her and that's some kind of crazy sign because her and her boyfriend used to look at manatees or something. Yeah, and and the whole thing is pretty... Actually, this is the guy I mentioned earlier who... Roger is the ghost who was coming through. So Roger was a guy, Nicole's boyfriend, who got shot on a boat in the middle 
like, on, a, on his boat by himself off the coast of Florida. She was from California, and they had been having, like, kind of a long-distance relationship, and she had a cre- They both worked for the same company, though, and she had- they had a creepy boss who was really into her, and Roger was kind of an asshole when he was alive and was like, oh, you're fucking doing something to make him like you. Like, no guy just- no guy just does that to a woman. And so they had this- so, first of all, fuck that fucking- yep. That's ridiculous. <laughs> just out of the way, get that- and, Well, and that's- and honestly, like, that kind of shitty- average person personality is like rampant throughout this book there's another part where john edwards like yeah i didn't want to be one of those like i dress like a slut and i and i'm having a baby like by this guy kind of tv shows and i was like what the fuck i don't know there's just like this yeah this like shitty kind of like kind of like you said like somebody's somebody's shut-in grandma like is reading this and want and they want that person to agree with everything said in the book um anyway Roger was like, oh, you're doing something to make him like you. And she was like, no, he's just a fucking old creep. And they had a disagreement. And then Roger called her and was like, oh, you know what? No, I, we should, I'm going to move there. And he was supposed to like move to California. But then he mysteriously got shot in his boat alone at sea. And Nicole always thought that the boss had something to do with it because then she got fired by the boss for like no reason. And I don't know. Yeah. And then, yeah, they used to look at manatees together and then they did this big, you know, it was a surprise attack reading that they did on air, and and it totally wasn't supposed to happen, and, like, all this shit. And, um, then, they, yeah, then, yeah, right. And Literally the man, a the, manatee waddles up yeah, to where Nicole man- was outside and, like, looks at her and, like, waddles away, and that's, like, a huge sign for them. Because John Edward thought, like, I don't know, the spirit possessed the manatee. To like yes. shuffle its fat ass up to this lady. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, but the manatees aren't out at that time of day. Yeah, yeah, that's what so I was gonna therefore... say. I was gonna say he tried to be like, well, if you're a skeptic and you think, well, manatees are from Florida, you should know this was February. There were no manatees in that area at this time of year. Even though, even though, like just before that, they talked about how they just drove to an area near there to see manatees. So I was like, yeah, dude, so, you you're, know, not, you're not doing no. <laughs> Um, also, it's conceivable that, like, even if it's late in the season, like, maybe one of them's ahead. Like, they, there's not a fucking yeah. manatee schedule where they're like, oh, oh, it's Monday. We got to Everyone's got to go. Er, like, there's maybe some biological thing like that, but it's not perfect all the time. Yeah. That manatee, you know, got up late. He missed the, <laughs> yeah. the bus on the way out. He, he got left behind. Bus. He got left behind. Dude, I want to <laughs> possess manatees when I'm dead. Can I do that? Yeah, doesn't that actually – that would be what I, I wouldn't – I wouldn't come on to John Edwards' like dumb show to like talk to a relative. I would just pos- like live life like a manatee, just being tubby and waddling around the beach all day. Yeah, it'd be great. That, I mean, I, that like, sounds lovely. Yeah, I mean, I hope you can possess other things. Like, but then again, <laughs> all right. So here, so if the concept is that spirits can like possess things to make them do shit, wouldn't there be a lot more weird poltergeisty things happening all the time? Like, wouldn't I don't know. Wouldn't bad things be happening? Like, wouldn't toasters be coming to life and trying to kill people? Like, I don't know. I mean, or maybe maybe toast, toasters are inanimate objects. Maybe it has to be. That's what I mean. I, I in me, my head, I draw the line. Like, oh, you can temporarily possess a living creature, but, like, chairs and shit doesn't work that way. You can move them, maybe, but you can't possess them. Uh now I'm just thinking about being inside of a manatee and, like, swimming. That's disgusting. No! <laughs> no, possessing the manatee and being... Uh, why'd you have to ruin it? In either in either sense, whether sexually or you just cut open a manatee and, like, shove no, yourself no. inside a tauntaun style. Oh, no. 
Um, but yeah. I maybe that's where we should end this episode on because I really don't have anything more to say about. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty dumb. I I don't know that I have anything else to say either, other than like. Ghosts I just wish there was a horny ghost somewhere, really. That's all I can... I guess the ones that wanted to bang... The ones that wanted to bang him. I, okay, so there was his guide. Well, I mean, the and the glow-in-the-dark threesome was, like, a pretty great line. I don't sure, understand. Sure. I don't understand how they... I, I just wanted that. more and of that, they, I guess. Yeah, I I do. Actually, I wonder, like, what he's up to now. If he's still... Is crossing over still a thing? Like, is that still... I, is, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just think that, like, if ghosts were real, wouldn't there be so many of them that it would be impossible to even navigate a spirit world if you could even contact it. Yeah, also with all of cameras everywhere all the time now across the world, someone would have seen something. But isn't it isn't it just like, and I, I think that when I've said that, I've had somebody who believes in that stuff say, well, not every dead person who has died is still on this plane. It's only the ones with, quote, unresolved business. And I'm like, but... That's not, that's not like, how this works. Like, John Edward can talk to all these really nice spirits who are maybe in heaven? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, everyone has their own so, ghost lore, I guess. Yeah. You know, this, this the, the the unfinished business one is, like, a pretty standard one that you hear a lot of the time. So. Oh, man, my favorite is, uh, what's that fucking show? The Ghost Hunters or Ghost Fuckers there's, or whatever it is. <laughs> ghost Fuckers, yeah. That's, no, that's a thing. That's a thing. Can we that talk one's about on, this that one's on late. That one's on late nights on uh, Cinemax. Dude, no, no, that's the thing. You know about that, right? It's just a guy in a hallway with his pants down in night vision. No, you the air. You know that's about this, right? Well, I'm sure someone's tried to fuck a ghost. No, before. okay, yeah. all right, you don't know about. All right, so this is all right. So are you telling me there's an actual show called Ghost Fuckers? No, right no, no, but there should be. Um, so a couple of years ago, I was. I don't even remember what I was looking. I was oh, I was looking for a clip of actually uh, that um, that comedian Nick Kroll. He did a oh, yeah. really really funny uh, spoof on Ghost Hunters called Ghost Bouncers, which is oh god, it's fucking hysterical. Um, and I was I was looking for it to show to somebody, and I was having a really hard time. I think because Nick Kroll was like part of Comedy Central, his stuff was like really locked down by copyright, so it wasn't as easy to just like go on YouTube and, like, find a clip. It was, like, a lot of things had been taken down. So I was having to do a lot of digging on the internet in, like, you know, looking for this video. So I ended up on some, I think it was Vimeo or something like that. And I was trying to find this thing. So, of course, while I'm trying to find this spoof You ended up on Pornhub where you watch ghost fuckers, (laughs) right? No, no, no. I'm sorry. I'm still really hung up on the image of a guy in night vision, like, (laughs) attempting to gain consent from a ghost. (laughs) Well, like, and is it okay if I put it in? Like, that's actually in like, the air? oh god, that's so gross. Um, but anyway, so you know, while I'm trying to find this like spoof of a ghost show, I'm getting like things that are like, oh, real ghosts or whatever. And one of them was, and it was part of this documentary. It looked like it was from the '90s, maybe the early 2000s. It looked pretty old. You know, the film was like really grainy, and it was interviews with women who have ghost lovers. Oh. And so ghost fuckers. This is this is a thing. These women think that they have a physical, sexual relationship with specific ghosts, and they are their boyfriends. And um, the very common theme with all of them were many of them were Native American ghost lovers. Like the ghost was Native American, yeah, or yeah, the, okay, the ghost. <laughs> right yeah, of course, because all white women wish they would fall in love with a Native American dude. I guess I don't know. That's a, that's one of those weird like 
weird complexes that people have. Uh, and yeah, they were talking about how, and the host was interviewing them and was like, see, was like, well, you don't have physical contact with them. And they were like, yes. And then they did all these like, um, these dramatic reenactments of like oh, women clutching silk sheets and like swaying curtains oh, and oh, oh man but you know what what sucks is like i saw it and i was like oh this is so funny and i tried to find more information on it like to watch the whole program because i was like oh this is fucking hysterical and i can't find it it's gone like oh someone took away ghost fuckers from me i'm so mad <laughs> tell you go on go on a porn site instead i'm no. sure you can find someone uh, the, I guess those ladies are probably just really good at getting themselves off with their imagination. Yeah, or something, yeah, they're, right? they're like, that's expertly probably all... skilled at coming in with their minds. I guess. I mean, and they're just... <laughs> yeah, that, that's my psychic ability right there. That's also <laughs> another documentary I've seen before. Uh, <laughs> this Where, what are you watching? How are you spending your time, Paul? <laughs> well, these days I don't have a lot of extra time, but I guess at some point in my life I did, um, and I definitely watch a short documentary about a woman who taught people how to think off. Without touching themselves at all, <laughs> and I was like, "This oh, really." Oh man, hold on. <laughs> That's really. Oh, what? Excuse me. <laughs> I, was, I swear uh, to God. I, let me listen, guys. Just give me like thirty minutes. I gotta go think off for a second. <laughs> like, I think that you can actually search. I, she's probably around somewhere still, but I remember this very awkward, like the opening scene of a documentary was like a bunch of people laying in a circle on the ground and like sweating and writhing and like oh i was like i don't want to watch people have orgasms it's fucking weird like, all right so to, to, to uh, me, you know what think off sounds like something that someone who like is you know second year philosophy student at, at the college or something welcome like, to 2019's think off in this quarter no, not yeah. even that i mean he like he's got a scarf on and he like he's really into the idea of how smart he is so he's like, uh, uh, sorry guys, uh, I gotta go think off for a while. Oh, oh, okay. I thought you're. I thought it was like a spelling bee. Like, oh, it, it <laughs> like... could be. It could be any of these things. <laughs> All right, guys, tell us. Tell us what's your definition of a think off? Yeah, 2016's um... think off with Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> I wonder if John Edwards subscribes to like, you know, the idea of ghost sex, or if he's only. He only thinks that like he can, he's just a weird telephone for only nice spirits. Wife, do you think his wife has ever accused him of ghost cheating? Oh man, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, I see how you act sometimes in the bathroom by yourself, John. You're clearly <laughs> communicating with that slut. Is that Grace? Is she in there again? <laughs> I can tell she's in your head because you're getting kind of hard. I can tell. It's Grace. <laughs> Get out of there, Grace. <laughs> God, uh, yeah. You stay away from my husband. Stay away from my husband's brain. Um. <laughs> oh man, you think we're gonna right. get, you think we're gonna get a cease and desist out of this one or what? Like, what? no, what? <laughs> Why would we cease? This is for what? Because people send cease and desist for no reason at all. That like that aren't even Listen. real. I don't think our fan base is so huge that we're going to get, like, tweeted around enough that we get to John Edwards, like, PR firm on Twitter or something. And then, oh, shit. Yeah, it's pretty true. Don't snitch on us, guys. Come on. Keep this on the down low. Tell tell none of your friends about this podcast. Tell none of your friends. No, no, definitely. Uh, So, yeah, I guess that's that's all we have to say about ghosts for now. Um, Well, uh... I guess here's here's, here's a good way to wrap up this podcast. Have you ever had... A paranormal experience in your life? Me? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, there's only no, one. No, the, the other person on this podcast. No, I thought I thought you were I thought you were asking our listeners to tell us if they had 
um, at some point. But um, yeah. No, I don't care about your fucking ghost stories. Keep that. I don't care. Well, so so tied into my ghost cat story from earlier. um, Yeah, there's only really one thing that ever happened to me that I didn't feel like I could fully explain. Um, It's the only it's the only thing that I'm to this day like, hmm, that was kind of weird. So tied into the ghost cat story from earlier. So. Um, this group of friends playing with the Ouija board that I was a part of, like, like I said, there was kind of this, like, running story that obviously somebody in the group had concocted because somebody must have been controlling the planchette and, like, spelling all this stuff out or whatever, but, um, yeah, the story was, like, this little girl named Sarah Constant was hung in a ba- in this basement, not my basement, but, uh, this girl lived down the street from me, um, in her basement, and some guy had killed her some evil force or something and you know at first it was like oh it was like fun and it was oh i have ghost cats and like i'm a little dead girl like whatever and then as things progressed like the evil guy was coming through more supposedly his name was vaughn that's all i remember about him i don't remember like his the rest of his name or anything like that um and then you know one day um, like I said, I had two Ouija boards at my house, so one day, uh, some of us, it wasn't even the whole group, it was just, like, four of us, uh, were playing with it in the basement, and the Ouija board was, like, telling us that two of us should go to the attic with one of the boards, and two of us should stay in the basement with one of the boards. So we did that. So, um, when I was a kid, I lived in this three-story, uh, so three apartments, a basement, and an attic, so technically five, I guess. Uh, it was an old house, you know, it was built in the late 1800s. It's probably about 100 years old by the time I started living there as a kid. And so, you know, as old houses go, you know, you got your creepy basements, you got your old attics, you know, everything's kind of scary because it hasn't been kept up and it's kind of falling apart and, you know, maybe has some remnants of, you know, the last century. Like, we had a a vegetable shoot, which sounds really innocuous, but was actually really creepy because it was just a giant black hole in the basement that went outside, but the outside, um, was covered, so it was just this huge black hole, and it was, like, really scary. Um, anyway, so, basically, I'm, what the point I'm getting across is, like, setting, kind of creepy, but it was, it was daytime, actually. It wasn't nighttime. Um, and I went upstairs with my friend Lauren, and her brother Andrew and my friend Tabitha were in the basement, and... While we were upstairs, so, uh, the attic when I was a kid had this little room built onto it, um, and in that room was, uh, I think it had a carpet, and it had a few bookshelves, like, um, they weren't, like, wooden bookshelves, they were, like, uh, metal racks more, you know, kind of like something you'd find in a garage more than, uh, like a study. All right. Um, and it was kind of this, like, shoddily built room, so it was, it was added on, um, by, I think, the landlord, um. He stored, like, all of his old computer books and all of his old, like, <laughs> Anai-Nin, like, porn books up there. Um, okay. That's, that's, that's what this room was. Sure. Um, which, you know, of course, I didn't realize at the time, but then later on, like, I saw that um, that author and was like, oh, that's what those books were. Um, and they were, like, really old computer parts and stuff, because, you know, we're talking, this is the 90s, this is the early 90s, and, uh, yeah, it was just kind of, you know, just a room. And uh, there was a window in that room. And, um, so the, the board, you know, was telling us to go in there. So we went in there and the second I walked in the room, my friend was a couple steps behind me, my friend Lauren, the door slammed shut. And I remember we both got really scared, you know, cause we were like nine years old at the time. I was a little kid. We got really scared and I was like, open the door and she couldn't open the door and I couldn't open the door. And I was like, what the fuck? And cause the door didn't have a lock on it. 
So there was no way, there's no reason that it should have been permanently shut. Uh, so, you know, we were, like, kind of panicking. We were like, oh, shit, like, what, what do we do? And then while I was in there, she was trying to get the door open on her side, and I was like, uh, I was just, like, looking around to see if I could find something, to, you know, like, to maybe pry the door open. And then the, um, the bookshelves started violently, like, vibrating. They were vibrating so hard that books started flying off the shelves and flying at me. And then my friend opened the door and it all stopped. And yeah, so that's oh, that's that, that sounds pretty spooky. Yeah, but you know, I and I've it's like the one thing that's happened in my life that I feel like I have trouble explaining. But I think about it and I'm like, you know, I was little. Sometimes when you're a kid, and especially when you're a kid and you're scared, you remember things as being you know more ridiculous than they really were like yeah maybe a plane flew overhead and a truck drove by at the same time and it, it made the house rattle and like a book fell off a shelf and i got really scared like you know like <laughs> yeah maybe it wasn't as dramatic as i remember it but i mean that is how i remember it so memory is um, a funny thing but hey it, maybe it's it but... really a spooky ghost attack but yeah that's and Ooh. oh that's right and then and i think the board at that point had told us get out get out get out so that's it um, oh, well, you know, good yeah. thing that you had the time to, like, use the Ouija board in the, in the middle yeah, of Yeah, right. Uh, no, I think I think it was, like, after when she came in the room and everything stopped, then we used it, and that's what it said. So we left. Um, but, yeah, so, I don't know. I mean, that's really the only thing that can come to mind. Literally, I've had no other experiences in my life that it made me. I, you know, well, I was going to say, I've never really had about one of my own personal experiences, but one time when you lived here with me, you, yeah. you, you kind of had one. What? You 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 claim to have seen lights above our house one night. Oh my god, were, like, I forgot about the lights. That oh you were like god. convinced with some UFO shit. Oh my god, I was so freaked out. Yeah, I do. Oh my god, I forgot about that. That's right. I like woke up you and Trisket, right? Yeah, you were like these, these weird lights, and we're both like look outside, like Paris. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> no, it was really wow. I had completely forgot about that. That's really funny. Um, the, they they erased your memory of it. Yeah, fucking men in black, man. You know? Yeah. Um, they get me, though. Yeah, that in that instance, I was... It was late at night. I was up in my bedroom, so... Uh, Chris and I were roommates with my, my best friend, Trisket. Uh, Chris and Trisket still live together in that same house. Um, and I... My bedroom was on the third floor, and... Um, there were two windows, and one of the windows kind of... Like, one of the windows just looked out to the next house, so there wasn't really, like a vista or anything out there. The other window, though, looked out much further. Like, it went over rooftops and stuff so you could see the sky and whatever. And through that window one night, I was I was sitting there on my computer at my desk right in front of the window. So, I don't even know what I was doing. I was, I was in college at the time, I think, so I was probably working on a paper, which is, like, all I did for many years of my life. Um, and then I looked outside and I saw these three lights um, just kind of hovering in the sky. They were just, like, um, sort of white circular uh, or blue it white and bluish circular lights you know and i you know i just like first time i glanced up i was like oh whatever it's a plane because i mean we live in boston like this huge airport like we see planes all the time like there's lights and shit in the sky all the time so i didn't you know it wasn't weird and then they were but then they just stay, they were like staying in the same spot and i was like huh that's kind of strange because usually lights in the sky like, over this area, you know, they'll, because they're usually aircraft, they'll usually, like, carry on, you know, and move. Um, so they were just kind of hanging out in the same spot for a while, and I was like, huh, kind of weird, whatever, kept working. And then, 
I noticed that they would move, but move very strangely. Like, not like aircraft. Because you know when you're watching aircraft or, you know, lights in the sky that are just an aircraft move, they kind of move in a very, like, um, gradual, slow sort of way. These yep. were These were, like, disjointed kind of quick movements at sort of, like, weird angles. And it was really freaking me out because I was like, what the fuck is that? I've never seen anything like that. But then when I went and got you guys, they just... I, I, were they not there anymore, I think? Yeah, or, no. Yeah. Both of us never saw anything. Yeah, so... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, 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 both of us were just like, Paris, what are you fucking talking about? You're I just mean, like, we, we thought you like you woke up from a nap and were having like in that happy dream state or <laughs> no, something. No, no. I mean, and honestly, that I, I, I just kind of shrugged that off and was like, eh, whatever. It's just some kind of air traffic thing that I don't understand. And I completely yeah, forgot about it. As sure. Was, yeah, so... So nothing. All right, well, that's the end of uh, Paris' spooky story <laughs> corner. Yeah. Um, so nothing for you? You never had any, uh, nope. any ghosty experiences? Nope. Nothing not paranormal or anything. I've had, like, weird experiences, but they're more like that time I just passed out randomly for no reason, and that's about it. <laughs> that seems really like a medical problem, and you should see a doctor. Scary, <laughs> but not paranormal. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but I, I will say, like, despite those things happening, I am a total skeptic and i don't really believe in any i don't believe in any paranormal stuff like i like i said i think like most people we'd all like to believe um that some of that stuff is real but i have never seen anything that makes me uh believe it so um you know i really wish james randy still had his million dollar prize going but he does not um for many years james randy had a million dollar prize for anyone who could prove any kind of supernatural phenomena so um, he had everybody from uh, <clears throat> dowsers to, <clears throat> um, you know, psychics and people apply, um, but they would have to they would have to prove it under test conditions. And um, so a lot of people never applied or would withdraw. So he didn't have a lot of people really take up the challenge. But he never awarded the million dollars. Sadly, um, he finally ended the contest a couple years ago because he was like, okay. I'm really old. This is clearly not going anywhere. So, but the James Randi <laughs> Educational Foundation um, is still around, I believe, and um, it's really cool. So, yeah, I think I just want to end the episode with thanks, James Randi, for being awesome and for All right, well, saving people the, from themselves. <laughs> the, the the standard spiel at the end of this thing where we talk about we got a Lipson, we we got a Twitter. Oh yeah, I recently uh, made sure the podcast was on a bunch of different podcast distribution apps and stuff so like we're on overcast we're on podbean we're on uh public radio which is or is it public radio or <laughs> it's on npr somehow <laughs> no <fuck>? no uh, <laughs> no i'm sorry radio public um <laughs> i was gonna say like no radio public uh Blueberry, and now on npr like... two hours of two <laughs> idiots talking about yeah. some book yeah i don't think npr would ever pick us up uh i think we're a little too crass for them but, um, yeah, we're, so we're, we're now accessible through a lot of different apps or, or something you may have, but the Radio Public app, I, I, I just got it because I was like, oh, I, it, they were, uh, I saw they were from Boston as well, um, and I was like, oh, interesting, and I actually really like their app, so they're not giving me any money to say this, by the way, so I like their <laughs> app, it's really, it's really nice and clean and easy to use, um, so yeah, we're now, we should now be more accessible to people, uh, we have a Patreon, so if you want to give us a dollar or... One to eight dollars a month. It's not a lot. Um, that'd be cool because it helps us uh, pay for hosting and makes it easier for us to do more content for you. We also have some special content on Patreon that's unlockable only by giving us a few dollars. Um, so if you want to see the whole Maradonia movie and listen to us comment over it, that's on there. Uh, we'll also have a passage that we read from 
the Dragon Prince book for our patron Dari. That was a request of hers. That'll be up there soon. Um, I think the only other thing I wanted to talk about was um, I actually wanted to mention some other podcasts that I really like right now uh, and, oh, that, and that my friends are doing. So um, Greg Massey, who is a guitarist in my band and a wonderful musician, also a good friend of mine, he does The Color of Air, which we um, we did a crossover episode like three years ago with him. He doesn't update it a lot, but it's really good. He interviews musicians and stuff, and it's, it's interesting. Uh, my friend Jackie does this crazy, like, video series slash podcast called Glamour Smashed Face, where she uh, makes, she does drag makeovers on metal musicians, and it's really funny. Uh, she also, she also does, she also does, like, real makeup tips and stuff. I mean, I don't really have the patience to watch any of that stuff, but she, Jackie's really, really funny, uh, and she's also very crass like us, so if you like our style of humor, uh, give her stuff a watch. Um, uh, my friend Josh Staples does, um, direct input podcast, which is more geared toward local heavy metal stuff, so it's kind of more of a niche interest, but, uh, he, he's funny. I like, uh, I like him. He does some interesting stuff. He releases episodes every once in a while. Um... Uh, I think that's it for podcasts of people I know. Um, this other podcast I started listening to the other day is not somebody I know, but uh, I really liked it. It's called uh, Skin, I think. It's a Norwegian podcast. Uh, it's in English, though. Or, yeah, I believe the girls are Norwegian or Swedish. Uh, Scandinavian in any respect. And they do uh, Scandinavian true crime. So they every episode is like them talking about uh, a crime that happened in either Norway, Sweden, Denmark, uh, and they actually expanded to Finland and Iceland as well, even though technically those aren't Scandinavia. But, uh, yeah, it was really good. The episodes are shorter than us, um, than our episodes. <laughs> so if, yeah. we're, if we're too long for you, uh, check out uh, Skrim. It's uh, S-K-R-I-M. Uh, unfortunately, when you search for Skrim, it brings up a lot of Skyrim shit. So, you know, you gotta, <laughs> you gotta like, sort yes. through that. But uh, it's real good. You should, should give it a listen. All right. Well, that that's a nice little list of things for people to check out. All the stuff I listen to is actually pretty popular already, so it's, I don't think I really need to like. I've been listening to a lot of D and D podcasts lately. Yeah. So I'm starting up a campaign of that again pretty soon, which I'm pretty excited about. Oh, that's good. Yeah, we but, um we just Paul just ran one for us, and it was really fun. Um, I really I actually want to keep playing because I came up with a ridiculous backstory for my character, and I kind of want to like play it out. Yeah, I got some pretty good characters cooking up in for my campaign, so I'm excited to see how that rolls out. But that's uh, another thing for another time. Uh, that's pretty much it, I think, for this episode, unless you have something else to add, Paris. No, no, uh, just uh, check out our Patreon, see if you want to give us a dollar or two. Otherwise, uh, just keep sending us recommendations and commenting on stuff. Uh, check, us, you know, check us out on Twitter and Facebook and maybe Instagram right, if so. I ever remember to get around to that. Uh, sure. But otherwise, uh, that's it. So, uh, yeah, stay, uh, stay spooky, everybody. Coming up next on NPR, it's Ghost Fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> don't, right, bye, Pat. Don't fuck those,